Welcome to the Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes podcast with host Tiffany Rose, where you'll get a little on mortgage and a lot on mindset. Because with anything in life, you can only do it with the right approach. Tiffany Rose went from average earner to seven figures and beyond lifestyle by using the insight she shares. The Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes podcast with Tiffany Rose demonstrates that gratitude and attitude are your ticket to powerful success. Everybody, this is Tiffany with Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes, and I have a good friend, Jen Holden, who lives in Danville, California, and she has become a client of mine. Hi, Jen. Hi, Tiff. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on. I'm so excited because not only are you a good friend, you're a great client, and you got this beautiful house that we were just talking about before I hit uh, record, the colors and everything. It's just gorgeous. So I wanted to have you on because I really wanted listeners to hear the experience from start to finish, why you chose to take the leap and buy a house again, and you've owned homes in the past, sounds like. So I want a little detail on that, and then we'll just kind of go from there. I also wanted to talk about the mindset piece of it, because with anything in life, and of course, this podcast is Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes, because we can talk mortgage all day, but to take the action step buy a home or to get a mortgage or get your financial goals in order, you have to have the right mindset and belief system around it. So just going to shoot a few questions at you. Okay. Sounds great. Cool. So you owned homes in the past and how Mm -hmm. long ago was it? And what was that experience like? Yeah. So I owned a home about six years ago with my ex-husband now. And then I bought a condo right before the recession hit. And I did was hit with the the foreclosure short sell outcome of all that. So I know that time period very, very well. And so you stopped owning a home after that crash of 2007, 2008, right? Well, that was the one I bought by myself. And so to go into real estate on my own, that was this purchase and that was a big deal. But the last one I owned with my husband, I felt like I had a little bit more safety net, definitely lessons learned from the recession, scary part. So that was okay. And this was, this last experience was great, but buying something on your own, you're going to go back to when you did it on your own the first time, right? So there was definitely some fear factor into this purchase because of that. And so when you bought the homes, whether it was by yourself or with your spouse before the crash, what kind of loan did you get? What traumatized you? What was going on before when you owned those homes? Yeah. You know, I'm sure most people say that the actual foreclosure experience that was scary. And like, there is a little element of that in there, but actually what really was disappointing out of that entire experience was going into the purchase. We weren't even in a recession yet. And it was how the lender, the broker was like, treating me. There was a lot of hidden communication that wasn't transparent to me. I didn't realize I was getting into a negative amortization loan, number one. Number two, the scariest part was I didn't even know what my monthly payment was going to be until the day I went to sign. And he was so desperate to just getting it over the line because I was really about to walk out of the title company because I was freaking out. It was two times what he had originally said. I was going to walk out and he was like, we'll get you refinanced in 30 days. Well, okay. I'm trusting him. This was a family friend too. Wow. I trusted him and come to find out that's not even a possibility. You can't refinance 30 days after you purchase a home. And so it was six months later. That was it. I was literally taking from savings. I wasn't underwater at that point, totally house poor. 
And that is what traumatized me is because when you make a purchase and a decision, that is where the most emotion is. It's just that it's taking that leap and you're trusting somebody with your future, your livelihood, your money. Absolutely. And I know you and I talked about it a little bit earlier, but the movie, The Big Short, you said that you had seen it. And Mm -hmm. for people listening right now, that movie is 100% true. There was alligators swimming in the the pools in Florida because people had just like walked away and there's no maintenance. And there was dancers in San Francisco that had like million dollar houses all on NAGAM loans and didn't have to provide any income proof. And it was pretty wild times, but it became so normal that it was just like, oh, yeah, of course, you're going to get a NAGAM loan. Why why wouldn't you? That's what they're Mm -hmm. selling. And like I told you um, also earlier was they were saying like some of the account reps from lending institutions were saying, Hey, this person doesn't qualify, but how many bedrooms does the house have? And mm-hmm. use room rents. I'm like, but the people aren't renting out their rooms. Like, Oh, it's okay. Just put that on the application and they'll qualify. It was wild times. So yeah. I can assure people that are kind of on the fence because of that crash and because of maybe a prior foreclosure and that loss of pride and all these things, you know, these emotions and moving your family to go rent again and losing mm-hmm. your dream home, all these things, I can assure you there's a much better quality of loan agents out there. Now you get full disclosures, yeah, disclosures actually, <laughs> um, in my opinion, because it's, it's dizzying. Yeah. And so that is awesome that now you feel like you wanted to take the leap because things are different. So you and I had dinner maybe three months ago and you mm-hmm. were like, okay, I want to do this. Yes, we talked about things are different. There isn't NAGAM loans and that kind of thing. But what made you really decide to even start thinking about buying a house this time? Yeah, so that's a really great question. So right before COVID, I had really started to excel in my career and I was making more and more money. So I thought at some point I've got to make the leap and see if I can even afford a home, right? Everyone has a stigma that's expensive in the Bay Area. It's impossible. And you know, it's very easy to shy away from it. Yeah. But the bottom line is I was making too much money and I didn't have a write-off and then COVID hit too. So mm-hmm. now I'm sitting in my living room with a desk because I have a three bedroom, two bath rental. And so we couldn't get away from one another. I knew I needed more space. And really ultimately what the deciding factor was when I actually looked back for almost six years of renting, I'd spent over a quarter of a million dollars putting money into somebody else's pocket and not mine. And so I started to, my neighbor at the time, or the neighbor, he's still there. I asked him, he's a lender, a broker. And I said, hey, I'm interested in this. And his demeanor and his lack of motivation actually kind of like tempered me down, like discouraged me. Like, oh, you can't, no, you have to do X, use big terms. Which I thought was interesting because it's his livelihood. So I'm thinking, okay fine. Maybe I can't. Yeah. Well, then you came into my life and I was like, okay, let's have dinner. You brought your notepad. And what I really appreciated about you in particular is that like, you could tell you had this love and this passion and I could trust you. You weren't speaking in big terms where it was going to be over my head. You were realistic. You were very straightforward. Like, this is what you have. This is what you qualify for period in the story. This is how we're going to go about it. And it was like, very straightforward. But again, because when people are passionate about what they do, it's infectious. So it was like the Eeyore experience I had last summer, like this, you inspired me where I was like, I can do this. 
Oh, I love I'm getting the chills. And it's funny because my sign, it's oh. with passion or not at all. So oh, I, I love that. I, I love I get, my job. I love helping people get into the community and make their dreams come true because it really is like such a dream. But it's funny you just said that. I want to go back to the neighbor. I'm right now building a house. I bought some land. I'm building a house on the lake. Uh, two of them, actually, I'm going to sell one of them. That's my plan. Least, <laughs> my big dream right now. <laughs> I can't believe how many people, I was just having this conversation yesterday, how many people are naysayers. Mm-hmm. One of the realtors was like, well, you can't do that. And I don't think you can subdivide it. And I called the county and they said, there's no reason why you can't subdivide it. And then talk to the architect. And he was like, I don't think you should do that. Or what's that? What's a cross mod home? And that's not going to happen. Have you done this yet? And is the HOA going to approve it? I'm like, yeah, I got all that. It's amazing. If I wasn't strong-willed the mm-hmm. way that I always feel like I am and action orientated, mm-hmm. I swear people will just change your mind for you. It's going to be too hard. It's not going to be safe. It's not going to be worth it. And that's with anything in life. Just don't surround yourself with people like that in general, if you're trying to do like big dreams, you know, Mm -hmm. that's interesting that you just said that. Well, I think a lot of it too, you know, I'm about like kind people, right? So I have the same passion that you do. I help people. I'm in the FinTech world. I'm trying to help Americans get out of the paycheck to paycheck life cycle. So like, when people talk to me about my business, I'm super passionate about it. And that ultimately like manifests itself into like helping more and more people. And literally it just took that one dinner to see your diligence, feel your passion, just embrace it. And like, literally, I think within a week, you had almost all of my documents that we needed to get going. And I was starting to put offers in right away. Yeah. And this was only the second house that we put an offer in on, but it was because of your creative like how to write up what we were going to do. It's what got us through the door. And people are putting offers in on 10, 15 houses before they're even looked at. And we had a great agent that worked with us coupled with like how to execute your financing. I think that was what really got me in the door. Yes. Channing was your realtor. She is awesome. So Mm -hmm. cooperative, so pleasant, knowledgeable, everything. So say your name, Channing. Make sure you Gasolino. Okay. And then <laughs> yeah. with what company? I should know this. I should remember this. I should know it too. It's Sotheby. Sotheby. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So Channing and she's in Danville. She's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. side note there. That's great. And I guess we had this serious conversation before we started having shots and champagne, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we did the notebook, the kind of paper first. And then was it was like, we're first. Okay. Yeah. And then we were like, we're going to go do this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So congratulations on the house. That's so awesome. I love it. And just to talk really briefly, because this is the mortgage world that people will be delving into when they buy the house. It's one thing taking the leap and getting the realtor and getting pre-approved, but what was the like process like for you? How did you feel about like paperwork and disclosures? And it was yours was kind of a whirlwind because it was a 14 day close of escrow. We had to move on it because we had to make a strong offer and make sure you beat out all those other offers. But in general, tell me about like your take on the process. Like of all the properties that I have been a part of, um, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your podcast, like if you guys really weren't, I would figure out another way to say this, but you, we did have to move quick. We were at the mercy of the seller's escrow. So you had to do something extremely complicated in a very short period of time. And so pressure's on you all. But what I loved and appreciated about the process was that, A, you have a very diligent team that says what they're going to do and does what they're going to say. 
And so anytime I expected an email, I had an email. And in the email, it was sound bites of what I needed to focus on. So it wasn't like, here's an email and the 50 things that you need to do to get to day 14. It was like, you took me through your process, but broke it down into like a, a civilized manner. So again, sound bites. And I was able to execute, not take three, four hours of my day trying to get you guys 50 rounds of paperwork to continue to move the needle. So I just felt like the communication was extremely transparent, diligent, and very organized. And for someone like me, also a career woman and a single mom, like I can't spend a lot of time like thinking about 50,000 things. It's the one time I need to be like, just tell me what you need for me right now and I'll get that for you. Well, that's actually good. I'm glad that you like that because I don't like to overwhelm people because the situation buying a house and some people are selling and moving and still have kids and business and it becomes like a main job for you. Yeah. My clients don't feel overwhelmed. So I'm like, don't even worry about that right now. Let's just do this today. Just get Mm -hmm. me two most recent bank statements on that one account we were talking about. That's all you need to do for today. Yeah. It'll be something new. So I really do want to make sure I keep doing that for my clients. So I'm glad that you like that. And I loved you as a client. You're my friend anyway, but (laughs) you know, there is people that perception is reality. And when you're going through the process, I could ask you for one thing and the same thing to a different client. And they're like, tell the underwriter to stick it where the sun don't shine. You know, everyone has different experience, you know, Mm -hmm. and there there's stresses and all these things that we just talked about. So it's cool to hear that it was very smooth for you and that it can be smooth. You kind of just got to roll with it, right? Mm -hmm. You do. And one thing also, I think it's really important to call out that what you would do is you kind of also had me forward thinking like, Hey, I can tell you that the underwriter is going to find this, like my child support paper, like be prepared that you're probably going to have to show that. So it wasn't like it got to the day and I didn't know it was coming. Like you did a really good job of like what I needed to know now and execute now, but Hey, this is probably what's going to come forward. So I always kind of knew what was ahead of me. And on furthermore, I think the biggest pictures you actually were like looking out for me, whether we were friends or not, I really genuinely believe that you were like making sure that a, I was buying the right house, right? And I wasn't getting in over my head either. Yeah. I think that you would have pulled me out of that situation. I genuinely do. I remember leading up to the moment we were going to put an offer in and we were talking all weekend and you were like, okay, this is how we're going to ensure that you're making the right decision here. And so I did feel like I truly had like a consultant in that, not just, I need a loan. I want more loans to close. It was like, is this the right decision for Jen and her family? And I felt more confident going into the house. I was traumatized from the crash. I had like eight homes and I was like 25 or 26 at the time. I, wow. Some of them were on NAGAM loans. I had to short sell some of them. I was able to keep a few, but the ones I let go, I'm just like kicking myself because, oh my God, they're like up 500,000 plus each one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was house poor at one point because I bought this big old house because I just wanted to do that. And I forgot about going to Target, spending $400 on accident because it's very easy to do there. Yes. I felt bad for myself when I owned the home back in this particular home, like 2006 or seven. Yeah. I would go Mm -hmm. to Target. I'm like, Oh my God, I have to do shampoo and this and then toilet paper. Oh my gosh. How expensive is that? And I was fun. I couldn't paint the walls. Mm -hmm. I couldn't redecorate because I just have bought this big old house. So I've been traumatized myself and I've learned a lot of good lessons because of that. So Yeah. Yeah. So what have you, we'll just finish with this. What has changed for your family, for your life, for your mindset since you bought the house? 
You know, it's kind of been a whirlwind in a sense, because I really actually never thought I'd be here again. I was also my own naysayer and because of all the, the scars. But now that we're here and it's my two kids and I, it's crazy the unity that it's brought us together. Like there's this pride of ownership. The kids are picking up their room. Last night I had the groceries delivered here while I was down the street. They undid the groceries and put them all away. We sit down and eat dinner every night. Like this is, you know, I had that when we were married, when I was married, but then we lost sight of it as a single mom. You're doing too many things. Yeah. But this really kind of brought my family, the kids and I together first and foremost. And then quite honestly, like this is actually the most comfortable I've been in a purchase. And it's been the largest purchase that I've ever made. Even when I've done them with my husband, it's yeah. still the largest. And I actually feel comfortable financially secure. And so I think that also manifests itself around the house with the kids and that like, I'm not stressed out. Oh yeah, definitely. They feel that energy, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, for people again, listening that still are kind of on the fence about buying or do I rent? You're right. There is like an ownership and a pride you take in the house Mm -hmm. when it's yours and you own it. And you know, you can always rent out the rooms. I've had to do that in the past. When times got tough, you rent out the rooms, you go move in or rent something cheaper and you rent the whole house out. There's so many things you can do. You can sell it if the timing's right and you have equity in it, which most people now have to put a nice down payment. There is, of course, low down payment loans and all those other kinds of things, but things are just a lot different than what they were like in 2006, seven and eight and prior to that. So there's a lot of options when you own the home, you get the tax write-off, you get the equity and So I'm excited to help you buy a rental property next, maybe next year, huh? Yes, yes. As as long as I keep crushing at work, I have to continue to stick my money somewhere. So, Oh my gosh, I love it. Will you be round two? Yes, definitely. You're so awesome. And I love it. I love the house. I'm going to come over there and we'll do some uh, vodka shots and champagne again. (laughs) I love it. Sounds good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you, Jen. Thanks so much. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Tiff. Bye. Tiffany Rose is the author of the best-selling book, The Universe is Speaking, available on Amazon. Tiffany has a gift just for you that will help you line out daily goals for creating your ideal universe. Go to TiffanyRoseFreeGift.com and also subscribe to the Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes podcast. Tell your friends and family about Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes with Tiffany Rose. Thanks for listening.